Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a nutrition professor of about 12 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach, powerlifter, somewhat Highland Games athlete. I run Strength Guild out of Topeka, Kansas, and uh, liftforhope.org. Sweet. Hey, Fortress is not with us, everybody, on this uh, holiday weekend, at least Thanksgiving holiday here in the States. I know it's not true of Canada and elsewhere necessarily, but um, he uh, sent me a, a CD review, but that's going to be postponed, I think, for some technical difficulties. Uh, but I do have some thematic news on this food-based holiday. Strength and muscle sport news. Um, the first one is called Taste Like Chicken. This is from Wired.com. Um, and Alton Brown from Food Network actually uh, penned this piece, and it's really interesting here. Um, they are now, oh, in a variety of ways, coming up with meat alternatives, and it's not for a vegan market. It's for the non-sustainable meat market, right? I mean, there's so much meat consumption, and we can't possibly afford it. So let me just show you some, uh, a couple of these things here. Uh, he visited uh, Beyond Meat in Columbia, Missouri, actually. Um and he talks about these, you know, huge format mixers, and they're folding together a blend of soy and pea protein isolate, uh, and some fiber and some other chemicals to whiten it up, like titanium dioxide, uh, to kind of lighten the color. Uh, and then they extrude it, you know. And, and interestingly, he makes a good point here, and this might gross some people out, but this is the food industry. He says around the world, machines like these squirt out everything from pasta to cheese, breakfast cereals to hot dogs. So. Don't think it's bizarre that it's squirting out, like, extruding, you know, lukewarm uh, meat uh, gel, uh, because that happens all the time. In fact, when I visited the VPX factory down in Florida, that's how they were doing their protein bars. An extruder was sort of squirting out these warm, um, I remember their peanut butter and jelly. They were very tasty, actually. And, you know, a little chopper just chops the ribbon of protein goop that's coming out the end of it, and then they package it, and we don't really think about the way it leaves the machine when we buy it in the wrapper, you know. Uh, but anyway, so this was about Alton's uh, visit uh, to this factory. He says the extruder uh, has a weird rectangular box, uh, uses steam pressure, etc., water to knead things together. But I think importantly, what he talks about is the the texture. Um, rather than just like a gel, like I was mentioning, apparently it sort of weaves it together in striations like meat, you know, like muscle tissue. Um, he says it tastes distinctly um, vegetable, uh, but when you tear it, it is in fact sort of fibrous and meaty. And he was actually kind of impressed with this stuff. Let's see, it says just about nobody thinks about the way that we grow and process uh, meat, you know, living meat, the way chickens are treated and all that sort of thing, but... Essentially, you can take some of these vegetable proteins, and if you put enough of, uh, of one of the amino acids, and a lot of listeners are familiar with uh, glutamate um, or glutamic acid, but glutamate is a sort of a neurotransmitter. It's responsible for that umami taste, that um, savory taste, and they sort of marinate it in that stuff, you know, in these big steel vats. And um, one of the things that I think is interesting is vegetarians who are so against meat it seems like many of them at least the ethical ones they're always trying to make things in the shape of meat you know and we laughed about that before and here they're kind of doing it again but it says americans eat 96 pounds of chicken per year and i think they targeted chicken because it's the broadest market like not everybody eats pork necessarily or beef but almost everybody eats chicken yeah and so they have a couple different flavors uh, it says Beyond Meat uh, ships to 39 states now and Vancouver in Canada. Uh, 
And it says there are other efforts around the world to make some of these more sustainable kinds of meats. And again, this is not like something just to compete with tofurkey or something for vegans. This is about the non-sustainable meat industry. It says uh, scientists uh, at Maastricht University in the Netherlands have grown meat from stem cells now with a reported $330,000 from Google founder, uh, Sergey Brin. And they've cooked it into a burger and that sort of thing. And this article is about how Alton basically cooked with it and, you know, found it pretty reasonable. Uh, There's not going to be any cholesterol and saturated fat and those sorts of things. So with no fat in it, or at least not the saturated fat from meat, I'm wondering if it's going to ever stand up, no matter how long they marinate it with the glutamate. Um, But anyway, so that's tastelikechickenwired.com. Check it out. It's sort of uh, thematic with our poultry stuff here. What else is across my desk? Um, Oh, um, this past week, I I mentioned uh, NPR uh, a few times recently. They actually did a piece on cooking turkey and different ways to cook turkey. And I think the interesting thing about it was they specifically addressed the proteins that we as lifters always think about. We're trying to synthesize ourselves, uh, actin and myosin. And they were saying that actin and myosin denature or cook at different degrees. So even though the government would say cook your turkey to an internal temperature of 165, um, you know, that instant kill, kill all the bacteria kind of thing. Well, sometimes you end up with dry or overcooked turkey. So it'd be interesting if you want to check that out. Uh, Again, there was an interview about turkey, uh, myosin versus actin and how it might be even better from a taste perspective to just cook it to maybe 150 to 155 degrees, hold it for a couple of minutes. Now, you got to be careful. I'm not telling anybody to do this because I'm not going to have somebody tell me they got salmonella or something. But uh, the whole thing was these different muscle proteins denature uh, at different temperatures. And that 165 rule of thumb that you always hear, it that might be the safest temperature, but maybe not always um, you know, going to give you the best taste because again actin and myosin you don't necessarily want both these proteins massively denatured so i thought that was interesting bit and then finally uh in the news a couple of weeks ago when we were in spain uh dr cotter josh cotter and mike nelson now dr mike nelson uh and myself we were talking about several things and one of them was a company called 23andme and they're back in the news. This is the one, if anybody remembers, they do genetic testing. But they're in a little bit of hot water, it looks like. It says uh, there is a shortcoming to the, some of these genetic tests. Again, they want to tell you your risk of disease and maybe set up a diet for you. It says Google-backed company 23andMe, here's Google back at it, right? We just mentioned them, is not necessarily um, in compliance uh, with the FDA. It says the Food and Drug Administration sent a letter to 23andMe telling the company to stop marketing its DNA testing kits because the kits require FDA approval. Uh, And then it goes on. Here's a quote from the FDA letter. Uh, FDA is concerned about the public health consequences of inaccurate results from the uh, device, this personal genome type service. Um, The main purpose of compliance with FDA's regulatory requirements is to ensure that the tests work. Now, they go back and forth and they say, we meet CLIA standards. Uh, CLIA is the Clinical Lab Improvement Act or amendment. I've been familiar with that for years. It just basically says laboratory equipment has to be of a certain quality and standard. You just can't have anybody setting up shop and starting to do medical tests. Yeah. Uh, it says uh, the company uh, sells their DNA testing kits in the United States. has been doing it for a, a good five years now. And again, to tell people whether their genes indicate increased risk of disease, purportedly for 250 diseases and conditions. And what they're doing is they're looking at SNPs. And even if you're not into biology, you may hear about the term SNP. It's single nucleotide polymorphism. They're just single, you know, spots in your DNA that are a marker for certain diseases. But the problem, like we mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this in Spain, is that... There's a lot of diseases that are not a single gene. Uh, Things like obesity and diabetes are many genes. And so to say that you've got, you know, this half a dozen or dozen genes, even that may not be enough. Um, you got to look at lifestyle and family history and all these kinds of things. You don't want to say, oh, my God, I've got, you know, um, one of the genes for obesity. 
so yeah. I'm going to have to starve myself. It's like, well, look at your family history. If your grandparents, your parents, your brothers and sisters, if nobody's overweight, relax. You know, you have to take these in context. I mean, because the genetics are only going to supply a certain percentage of the total picture. And I think that's important to know. Uh, it says uh, one of their concerns was that people could take these to heart because they don't go see a health care provider. It's that direct-to-consumer con- concern. And I can understand that. I do think there's a lot of consumers, especially that listen to us, that are probably pretty savvy. And they can put two and two together. They're not going to have knee-jerk reactions. Uh, but, you know, if you don't have any type of health care training, I can see how this could be a concern. You know, people would freak out that they're going to – the example in this one paper from labroots.com about um, esophageal cancer and some uh, case study person getting very concerned. Uh, so it says, in the past 23andMe – has said its tests are for recreational purposes, and I find that interesting. But obviously, people are using it for healthcare kinds mm-hmm. of kinds of reasons. It says the company has received funding from Johnson and Johnson, Roche Venture Fund, sure. and Google Ventures. So um, I don't know. It's funny how much Google is getting into the nutrition, yeah, yeah, nutrition and food industries there. So, uh, but that that's what I've got. I know I know you've got some news. Yeah, the only one I think I have is um, there was another death in Strongman, and uh, just wanted to talk about that for a minute. Mike Jenkins, who is probably most best known for winning the 2012 Arnold, um, and then I think he took third in this year's World's Strongest Man as well. So a big up-and-comer for the Americans um, passed away. Um, as of yet, it's it, they haven't said, but everybody's thinking some kind of, of heart condition. <laughs> Um, but we'll, you know, we won't know until there's an autopsy and this and that. But he died at 31 years old. God, um, so I, young. Yeah, and it's you know it started up a big wave. They're like, you know, that another one's gone. You know, the last American was Jesse Morunde, which was, geez, that was a while ago. But and again, he found out he had a heart condition and this and that. But I mean, it, to me, a lot of it has to be what some other people are saying. It's walking around at six foot six and 400 plus pounds even if you're a lean 400 plus pound that's a lot of weight you know? yeah, it is. um and i mean arguably you could make an argument that as far as your heart i mean carrying 400 pounds of fairly lean mass might be harder than not lean mass you know i mean you've got a lot more blood to pump around yeah. and oh. and stuff like that plus the Strongman is a tough sport. You know, you're talking about 400-pound men pushing themselves to the brink for, you know, longer than one rep max events. You know, you know you're know, you pulling a truck for 90 seconds and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of that where they, they hook the heart rate monitors up to people on the world's, during the world's longest man. I haven't seen the heart rate thing, but you can see these guys go purple in the face. You know what I mean? I yeah, guess. and like last year it, it was uh, Brian Shaw. They hooked the heart rate monitor up to him right before he started the stones, and before he lifted a stone, his heart rate was what as was at 178 beats a minute. Oh boy! Yeah, oh, and that a lot of that, a lot of that could have been adrenaline. You know, he's getting jacked up, and but still, whoo! You know, you got a, a 400 pound dude with a, a heart rate of 178 before the event starts. Right. Right. And well, know, it's like we've said. I mean, your heart's about a size of your fist, and when you got yeah. 400 pounds. I actually first came into this sort of conundrum with a, a professor I was talking to, and he was uh, one of my old uh, advisors, and he said, you know, I said something about, well, you can have a high body mass index and be classified obese, but it could be lean mass. And he said, you know, that's true, and I'm I'm not going to try to argue that lean mass is as dangerous as fat mass, but when there's really a lot of uh, tissue, regardless of what it is, like you say, Phil, yeah. maybe even in some ways worse, I mean, Muscle mass might not be as inflammatory as having all that adipose tissue, but mm-hmm. um, that is a lot of tissue for a, a muscle the size of your fist to try to support. You know, and yes. so it could drive up blood pressure. Like you said, you start even jogging, and boom, there's exactly. And you add onto that, if you know, like you were just talking about, if there's any family history of heart conditions, this and that, you know then, you know, you, you've got a pretty big recipe for disaster. But, you know, I mean, it, all in all, I mean, it's a sad day. You know, Mike was a big up-and-counter and, and one of probably our best, one of our best bets right now as far as, uh, you know, strongman goes. 
So it's nice having two of them out there with Brian Shaw and him, you know, on the world stage. But, you know, and going that young, you know, he left behind his family. And uh, so that's a tough, tough one. It is tough. So young. God. Yeah. Yeah. That 31 is very young. And you're right. It's a good point. It is a brutal, you know, sometimes we'll use the analogy. Of course, it's not truly battle, but there's a lot of uh, that sort of uh, fight or flight response. It's not like a marathon runner who just runs at a medium pace until he drops. You know, it's it's incredibly intense stuff going on there. Oh, yeah. It's by far the toughest sport I've ever done. You know, that's what I started in with Strongman. And it was it's a lot of fun. Oh man, it, it'll it'll kick your butt for sure. So. Oh hey, uh, before we go to break, I've got one last bit here. Uh, Fortress sent me an email. I'm just going to read this quickly, and he's asking for about books here, and I'm going to ask you for one of your uh, suggestions, Phil. Okay. But here, I'll just read it to you. He says, um, "Hello there. I'm not sure this is the actual email for IronRadio.org, uh, etc. But he says I've recently become a big fan of Iron Radio, and I'm currently working my way backwards to the beginning." You guys rock. Please never change anything. You provide me with the gym talk I miss so much since I moved from my small gym uh, in a small hometown in the south of France where everybody knew each other. And he says, yes, you have listeners there. To a big, cold, anonymous commercial chain in the north of Scotland. My question, uh, my questions are mostly addressed to Dr. Lowry. Is there any entry-level nutrition book that you would recommend uh, that's accessible to laymen? Uh, he says, I'm a computer scientist. Well, still rigorous on the science. And also as a scientist, how do you feel about websites like examine.com in terms of the reliability of information? Uh, they claim to relay and summarize research, but uh, I'm always wary when it comes to non-peer-reviewed second sources. That's smart uh, of him. Uh, it says, thank you again for everything you provide. I'm eager to get some income so I can become a proud supporter of Iron Radio. So much thanks uh, for that. Um, my book uh, that I always recommend to people is the Mel Williams Sports Nutrition Book. Um, it's a textbook, and so you can count on it. And what I like about it is it starts simple, but every chapter, whether it's proteins or carbs or fats, vitamins, minerals, water, different supplements, there's miniature literature reviews in there. So um, I believe it's uh, Nutrition for Health, Fitness, and Sport something along that lines, but look for Mel Williams on Amazon.com. Fantastic book. I've given them away, actually, in giveaways on Iron Radio before. Uh, I use it myself in class. There's also the Catch and McArdle. Uh, Frank and Victor Catch uh, and uh, William, I think, McArdle. They have a little bit more advanced one, but I tend to use the Mel Williams book. You cannot go wrong. Phil, what would you recommend for good reading uh, practical or science when it comes to the, the training stuff. I mean, sports nutrition... Oh, training side? Yeah, requires a sport, right? So. Oh, jeez, um, training side. There's so many. Um, depends on... Yeah, it depends on what you're into, but if we're going broad... Um, God, I would, <laughs> I would say super training, but that's pretty dense. Um, uh, maybe something that, you know that's easily readable. Practical programming is pretty good. Um, that's by, by Repto and Long Kilgore. Okay. Um, that's a good, a good book that's, you know, it's verging on, it's very readable by the layman. Um, so they simplify some things. Um, and they get into broad programming and stuff like that. So that would probably be a good broad one to get into. Kilgore's got that together too. I've, I've seen him speak before. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a smart guy. Um, and his new book, the, what is anatomy? Anatomy for the Athlete or something like that is another one that's, you know, is good. I think getting a, both of those, you start also getting a a, a view of physics and things like that and how the body works. So that helps a lot, I think, in my opinion. I think both of the, that's indisposable as a coach. You need to, anatomy's great, but not knowing how it works in the real world, you know, it, it doesn't help much. No, so, that's right. In that, fact, I have students all the time. They come take a kinesiology class that myself or one of the other professors will teach, and they're like, oh, this is so helpful when I take just anatomy because this is how the joints articulate, you know, how they move. Yes. And, and exactly. Uh, yeah, for sure. But I think, I think those would be two, two good ones to start with, and then from there it's, you know, where your interest lies. 
So, you know, if you were telling me I'm, I'm interested in powerlifting and this and that, you know, then you'd go from there. But right. I tend to think of the National Strength Condition, and they have the Essentials book. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's it just lays down a lot of basic stuff, but that'll get into straight up, like, uh, muscle physiology and some other things, whereas some of these other books are, are more, uh, like you said, sort of practical, instructive on how to train. Yeah. You know, the NSCA book, though, it does a nice job of talking about different models of periodization. Yeah. And I think when people start to look at different programs, that's a good place to start. You know, you can either do direct linear periodization, you can reverse it, you can undulate. And once yeah. you start to get these things in, you know, or even just the basics of exercise prescription, even if it's just the fit principle, you know, frequency, intensity, time, and type. Yeah. Those are the things that a coach is going to ma- manipulate. So. Yeah. No, that is a good book, and it's very, very broad. You know, I have it here as well. And, jeez, uh, I mean, you can even order. I ordered their book from the NSCA to, uh, that they use, that you're supposed to study to get your CSCS. Right. Yep. And it gets a little more in-depth, but, you know, they're great books, even if you're not going to get the, the CSCS, you That's know, that right. you can learn right. from. So. You might as well go for the quality, and I think he's... Yeah. This guy is very hip to that, you know, that yeah. he's like, listen, I, you know, secondary sources, I don't like people necessarily crunching and interpreting other people's data yeah. for me. And good, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. uh, now, uh, that sort of segues, he asked about examine.com, and I checked it out. I wasn't familiar, but there are a couple people on the advisory board that Phil and I know. Uh, Dr. Antonio, Joey is on the advisory board, Lou Schuler. We've had both of these guys on Iron Radio before, so if you're listening to old episodes, you will run into both of these guys. They're on the examine.com advisory board. Um, it looks like a group of people from some Toronto universities are heavily represented. Um, there's a PharmD in there. There are some uh, graduate degreed people. There are some bachelor's trained people. And normally I'm a little wary of bachelor's trained people that, you know, maybe they could ha- have a little bit more research design and statistics training because that really helps you interpret some of the science um but um when they're from guelph and some of those universities up there and their uh, kinesiology programs and whatnot those are solid universities yeah. so there there's a pretty good mix of people on there um they say that they're completely non-biased they're not affiliated with any supplement company and that sort of thing and and that's good but i th- i would argue that if you want to go you know get objective information uh, one of the guys on their board is involved with the Cochrane database and Cochrane uh, has like a library of evidence-based practice. So I would go places like that rather than a uh, middleman like this. I mean, Cochrane literally will do meta analyses like studies of other studies and very articulate reviews, objective reviews. Um, there's also Oxford center for evidence-based medicine, the CEBM, uh, but those are great sites. I would go right to those. Those are hardcore academic sites. They're not startups with some enthusiastic fitness people. Uh, and I don't want to say you don't listen to the fitness people, but Phil, you know as well as I do, there's a lot of enthusiasts in our um, field that are sort of excited amateurs. Yeah. As much as they, now these guys have de- degrees, and don't get me wrong, but like I said, you cannot um, you cannot really get any higher as far as I'm concerned than something like Cochrane or or the Center for Evidence-Based Medicine from Oxford. I mean, these are as academic as it gets. So, yeah. All right. Um, let's go to break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, eating because it's an eating-based holiday. I mean, how about <laughs> a lot of holidays are eating-focused, but, I mean, this is about eating. And we're also yeah. going to talk about getting in a positive energy balance and learning to be lazy a little. So we'll be back in a little bit. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lonman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, 
Uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, If you simply Google CRC Press and protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Rob Fortney, and I'm here to ask that, as the holidays approach and your thoughts turn to giving, you consider your friends here at ironradio.org. Over the past several years, we've heard and read hundreds of listener comments hoping that Iron Radio stays on the air for years to come. We are here for you. But, like any other radio format, we're listener-supported. That's where you come in. For just $4 per month, you can become a sporting member. Keep your weekly dose of education, experts, and gen talk flowing. Just go to www.ironradio.org and click on the $4 monthly subscribe button near the bottom of the page or click the donate button at the right of the page for a one-time donation. You are the Iron Brother and Sister. Thanks for helping us create a place for better internet programming for all strength and muscle sports and a happy holiday. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, everybody, we're back. Um, Like Lonnie said, we're going to talk about eating and I'll uh, get into a little bit about being uh, uh, less active and, you know, the bulking season and stuff like that. But first I want to mention, um, if you're a member of our Facebook page, which is Iron Radio listeners, um, last Friday I put up a post. Everybody's always talking about us getting things. You know, they, they want to be sporting members, but they'd like to get something. You know, let's, let us buy things. So um, I designed a an Iron Radio stainless steel sh- protein shaker cup. Um, and we're going to get those. But to get those, we have to have at least 25 ordered. Um, I've got 15 ordered so far everywhere from I got a couple of them going to Ireland, a couple of them to Canada. Cool. Um, yeah. You know, for anything out of the lower 48, I need you to um, drop me a line. I ask people to drop me a line on Facebook. You could probably drop Rob a line. He'll forward it to me, too. Um, if you go to the Iron Radio listeners page, because I got the shipping's different <laughs> to Ireland than it is for me to like ship one to Ohio. Yeah, no doubt. So I have a set price there. You can go to the link and just buy one if you're in the lower 48. But uh, if you're anywhere other than that, I, I request that you get a hold of me, and I'll I'll tell you the difference. I, it was, of course, it's considerably more um, to to ship to like Ireland, but it's still not bad. They, they included. For in the States here, it was $18.50. That includes shipping to get the stainless steel printed mug. And uh, so if you're interested in helping out, uh, go buy one of those. So Awesome. awesome. We have had quite a bit of support. Uh, thanks, everybody, for helping with the fall funds drive. I mean, um, some of the earlier names, this is in chronological order, but um, Glenn, William, Forrest. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people, and I know several people just more recently uh, and I'd be happy to mention your names as well as I go through this uh, sort of in order. But um, 
very helpful. People are making one-time donations or becoming supporting members, and that lets us continue to do the things we do. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, in December, we've got Danny Shugart. She's going to come on and talk about the rigors of physique competitions for uh, women, uh, including the risk of eating disorders. I mean, when you diet yourself that strictly down, and if you're discipline-oriented, you have to be careful and, and actually um, – one of the things that I do when I work with people like that, physique competitors, that is, is almost mandate several weeks after the competition to try to, you know, um, decompress, you know, yeah. like get back to the refeed, start enjoying food again, uh, and learn to let go a little, even enjoy putting some body fat back on. Yeah. Um, so, and I know I did that when I was... <laughs> I was eating blizzards, which is probably a reckless way to do that. But I was so depleted, and as you know, feel injured and stuff. Last time I competed, yeah. I was just bring the blizzards. I need some body fat, you know. So, yeah. uh, but in any case, um, that's the kind of guest we can have on. We've got um, a guy Dan coming on uh, Ogborn. He's uh, an expert doing his dissertation on eccentric exercise, so negatives and. The hypertrophic effects, how you get strength gains, or, you know, how well the strength gains apply to different kinds of movements. I mean, there's a lot of debate that goes back and forth, for example, that if I do lots of negatives, does that only make me strong in the negative portion of the lift? Yeah. Uh, and he'll be able to give us a, a lot of information. He's very up on the literature in that. Uh, then we're going to have the aforementioned uh, Joey Antonio come on in January, and he's going to talk about satellite cells. I know some of the people on our Facebook page mentioned hey, can you guys talk about satellite cells? And for those who aren't familiar, they're sort of quiescent baby muscle cells, and they lie amongst your normal myocytes, muscle cells, and they sort of wake up and they'll merge with larger muscles. I mean, muscle cells are multinucleate, right? They have multiple nuclei along the edges, and when you, you get this sort of donation of the satellite self will sort of contribute itself to the larger cell, and then you end up with a more, another nucleus in there that has... A wider reach of nuclear domain you can end up with a bigger stronger muscle and so joey's going to talk about satellite cells he's done some specific research with that uh, obviously he's noted for the issn and there's an ad here in the show for the 2014 uh, international society of sports nutrition event but uh, he's also a hardcore muscle physiologist so i thought well th there's the guy i mean if we have a question yeah. about satellite cells he's the man yeah so that's the Where kind of stuff He's Where is the ISSN this year? Clearwater. Clearwater, Florida. Yeah. Okay. It's Tampa. A, yeah, it's a uh, fun yeah. event, man. I mean, yeah, it is. You know, uh, I took some students down there, and we're going to take some students down. We're going to continue to present on caffeine and power performance. But, nice. you know, people are, like, having some drinks and doing these, like, beach Olympics and stuff. And it's a nice mix of nutritionist and ex-phys people. You don't get this sort of insular... Um, single-minded, just dietitian thing, or just the ex-phys thing. It's a nice hybrid. A lot of strength and conditioning focus too. So yeah. our readers would be great for this, which is why I just said, "Hey, you know, Doctor Antonio, why don't you just send us a little audio ad?" So yeah, it's a little different than your average. You know, it's also <laughs> like it's a nice mix. It's also a step more academic than going to like the Olympia or the Arnold. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. So. I remember the year we went to the one in Vegas, and we were all, they had the little, their expo, and one company set out the booth, babes, and we were like, oh, boy. Yeah, was, exactly. Uh, it could be yeah. a little embarrassing if they dress, if they go too far in that direction. And yet, there is the expo, I mean, right? So that's yeah. the cool part. There is, in fact, an expo with a lot of yeah. uh, muscle-oriented um, kind of booths, you know, companies selling uh, not just dietary supplements, but equipment, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the topic is basically eating, right? So um, grub, grub and gains, maybe. Uh, I think there's two ways for people to get in a positive energy balance, and we've, we've danced around this before in past episodes, but one of them is to shovel in more, and Thanksgiving is a great time to do that, of course, and the other is to move less. Yeah. Um, I've worked with a lot of people or just discussed things like after a, a lecture, people ask, you know, I'm eating 400 grams of protein. How come I'm not, you know, getting huge? And it's like, well, you don't have enough calories, you know, to synthesize that muscle. So there's two ways to go about it, right? And, of course, recipes are one. In fact, let me give you a tip, uh, something my wife picked up. 
Uh, and this is amazing. We're doing it right now. We're having a second Thanksgiving, sort of, because we went elsewhere for our family, you know, uh, Thanksgiving yesterday. But um, she will turn the oven up to 500. She'll put a mid-sized turkey in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd have to go look at the exact pounds, but you could look this up online. And crank it up to 500 for an hour. Then you just turn the stove off and you just walk away. And believe it or not, over about six hours as the oven cools, the turkey comes out almost perfectly. Yeah. Um, and that's so much that- easier than, you know, the the special thermometers and all this kind of stuff. Uh, 500 for an hour and walk away. Again, look it up online for the size of the bird. This isn't for the super huge birds. Uh but very interesting stuff. But, you know, uh, Dave Tate, I think, was the one recently. He said, you know, I don't know why people fret about Thanksgiving anyway. I mean, there's yams. There's, you know, mashed potatoes. There's turkey. Yeah. Uh, we had turkey and ham yesterday. So it just becomes like a protein extravaganza. Um, and I'll tell you, um, even if you're dieting, I know we tend to think of bulking. I do this time of year because, you know, you can pack on a little bit of extra body fat. The lean comes on with the fat. Like nobody's gaining just fat. And we've gone on about this before. But even if you're dieting, you could take a day, for goodness sake, Thanksgiving Day or Christmas Day, and eat, right? If anything, it's probably just going to help your metabolic rate. If you have depressed thyroid or a slow metabolism from dieting, what better time, you know, than to pile back a couple hundred grams of carbs and turkey and, and some lean ham and that sort of thing? Yeah, I know. And anybody that claims that, like, Christmas and Thanksgiving made them fat is lying. It's because they it's because they started at Thanksgiving they kept going through New Year's. You bet. You, bet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or even, even Halloween, you know, with the candy. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, candy and cookies laying around the house at arm's length for... Six weeks straight is not a good idea, you know, yeah. if anybody's trying to maintain a certain level of physique. Now, I know that <laughs> I know that you're prone to cookies and stuff when you're bulking. And yeah. if you're doing the reckless, you know, listen, I've got to gain weight and I'm stuck kind of thing. Yeah. Hey, you know, but I would I would argue that one of the things you could do, even when you're shoveling in all that extra calories, energy is just make sure the protein is accompanying it. Oh, and, yeah. You know, that way there's enough building blocks there and it's not fuel without the building blocks. Yeah. Uh, kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, and you know what, too? I mean, Tate mentioned vegetables, and uh, uh, we will roast, my wife will roast uh, Brussels sprouts. If you want an alternative, uh, when you just put these things on a cookie pan and you roast them in the oven, they are flipping delicious. And, I mean, that's a cruciferous vegetables. You know, uh, bodybuilders are always eating stuff like broccoli and cauliflower. Well, this is, a, you know, a similar class of uh, vegetable uh and it's a great way to get the fiber in with all the starches and that kind of thing, you know. And, I mean, you could do recipe rehab, I suppose. And that's one of the things that Chris and Danny Shugart will do, I know. But, um, you know, I don't I don't mind butter and some uh, sugar, brown sugar on my yams, you know, and that kind yeah. of thing. Like you said, uh, as long as it's not drug out uh, over weeks and weeks. And, I mean, even stuff like we'll have devil eggs to snack on and we've got cheeses oh. and crackers and you see the the theme here. There's always the protein in the form of whether it's cheese or eggs or these not might not be strict competition kinds of foods, but they're rock and loaded with essential amino acids, yeah. uh, complete protein sources. You know. So I don't know what kind of favorites you guys have. Are you are you a purist, Phil, with the turkey or what do you do? Yeah, well, we had turkey and ham and stuffing and potatoes and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I, we're probably pretty purist on, on as far as Thanksgiving goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the leftovers are great. Then I have a crap load of turkey left, a crap load of ham, and some, some mashed potatoes and gravy. Yeah. You know. Well, and so. then it's yeah. I think about the uh, what was it the the Christmas story uh, where you know they talk about turkey hash, turkey this, turkey sandwiches. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know what? Uh, a friend of mine is a dietitian, Mickey, and my wife and I always remind ourselves: think about what Mickey says with the uh, the turkey. I mean, she'll. Um, all throughout the year, not just now, not just mm-hmm. during the holidays. And I think you do this too, don't you? You just, yeah. you know, and again with the 500 degree for the mid-sized turkey thing, if you yep. could set your oven timer for one hour and walk away, yeah. I mean, you'd want to get back in a half a dozen hours or so to make sure it doesn't, you know, dry out, I guess, on you. But, um, wow, what a great idea. I mean, it cut, is. and it's cheap. Cheap. It's pre-prep, right? Because then you just pick on the bird for yep. the next two days, three days, you know? Yep. Uh, 
as opposed to the kind of thing where I'm always telling people to grill chicken in advance and that sort of thing. But that takes a lot of time on a Sunday afternoon. And yeah. we're talking about setting the oven and walking away. You yeah. know, uh, again, look it up online the size of the bird to do this. But, yeah, the pre-prep is built in. So I think the reason people don't do that as much is turkey has a particular flavor maybe compared to chicken. Yeah, it does. You know, it definitely tastes like itself. There's nothing that tastes like a turkey. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's good. We do them, you know, four or five times a year usually. We'll just throw a turkey in and have it. So, yeah, I don't I don't see that as a Thanksgiving-only meal. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so, I mean, there's so many meats out there, and it's lean. It's almost pure protein. You know, even if yeah. you eat the dark meat, I mean, you can only fret so much, you know. And yeah. That's kind of what I'm talking about, even with stuff like uh, – the, the cheeses and the vegetable trays or the or the like deviled eggs and the kind of stuff i mean i can only fret so much about eating too many eggs i mean there's so many worse things you could be eating you yes, know it's not like exactly. i'm just, just going nuts on the pie uh and that kind of thing i mean yeah, yeah i mean for most lifters there's not even a downside as far as i'm concerned with some of the some of these higher fat protein items, no no know? i agree and i mean I'm, I'm even the way with you know i don't i'm one of the people that don't poo-poo white potatoes you know i just can't there's a lot of groups out there now that are like, oh the white potato is horrible but it's it's not that bad and if you look at it even compared to a yam you know sure in in some areas it has less things but in some areas it has more there's a ton more potassium and things like that so i mean it's not it's not the sin that people put it up to me that is funny isn't it i mean bodybuilders i don't know what powerlifters are like in this regard but bodybuilders sort of put yams sweet potatoes on a i know they're not the same thing exactly but on on a pedestal yes and yet yeah they'll eschew the the white potato yep and i think if anything if you're concerned about the glycemic index that a typical brown skinned white potato is too fast acting and it's going to spike your blood sugar then go get the red uh red skin (laughs) potatoes they actually have a lower glycemic index believe it or not uh, and you know while I'm talking talking about that too, did you know if you freeze bread? Uh, I was giving a talk for Peter Lemon up in Toronto uh, a year or two ago about this. If you freeze bread and then you pull it out of the freezer and thaw it, it now has a lower glycemic index. It will actually really? raise your blood sugar more slowly. So all it's oh. if you think about it, it's almost like um, a processing <laughs> step, uh, but not bad processing where like they can it and add salt and everything, but. You are changing the structure of the carbohydrate in there, and it's—I don't know—that's yeah. very interesting to me. So, like you said, I mean, whether it's um, traditionally demonized stuff like a potato, <laughs> we said this before. There's no gluten in potatoes. Well, and the thing is, people always look at these foods as singular. And I'm sorry, I never—I don't—I don't think I ever have sat down and just ate a potato, you know, with nothing. Right. And right. you've got to look at the the index of the whole meal. You know, if you add turkey onto that, and you add, you know, whatever. It's it, you know your body's not going to digest the potato and then the turkey later and then you don't it doesn't pick it out it's going to start on whatever you throw in there oh that's right and I it's mean, all going to work together yeah fat so. is fat's going to sit in your stomach a little bit longer yep. C- certain proteins will clot and be and stick in the stomach and slow the gastric emptying no that's a really good point too and you know some people point out the glycemic load as well everything's not just the glycemic index cause like yeah. you said people don't eat a single potato with nothing on it usually yeah. I mean maybe. Yes. Um, I can almost see a bodybuilder walking around munching on a yam, but generally, no. And on top of that, the glycemic load, I've always thought that was obvious. I don't know why some people just dwell on this, but that says that it's not just the uh, speed of the carbohydrate, but it's the amount. Well, duh. I mean, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Like if if you're going to eat something like a watermelon, it has a lower glycemic load, even though it's a fairly high glycemic index. There's not much. It's water. You know, yeah. as opposed to something like drinking Aunt Jemima syrup, which would be a huge yeah. load uh, of carbohydrates. Uh, so, to me, glycemic load has always been obvious. I don't know. Obviously, if you eat more carbs, it's going to have a bigger effect on your blood sugar. I mean, if yeah. you're – because that stuff is pretty easily digested and readily absorbable, bioavailable. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I suppose some people could do things like undercook certain foods to slow them down as well. Uh, like if you undercook pasta or oats, you know, it lowers the glycemic index. Yeah. But that's partly because you're not digesting as much. And like you've said before, Phil, I think cleverly that, hey, guys that are trying to gain weight, what are you doing fretting over this stuff? You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, the processing of a food that most people would avoid for a weight management problem, you could take advantage of that. Yeah. 
you know, huge, exactly. huge buckets of it. Yeah. So. And that's, you know, that's the stage I'm at. I'm away from, uh, I was packing on pounds for my meat and now I'm just eating comfortably and I've lost 15 pounds. You know, <laughs> and I knew right. I would, but I'm trying to stay at, you know, 265 now. That way, when I start up again, I won't have as long of a run up. Right. Hopefully, I, you'll be uh, able to hold the new higher body weight. Yeah, exactly. If I can stay at 265 and walk around, and it's, you know, now I'm back to eating more normal. You know, and it's nice for me. That's like, you know, we went out to eat, and my wife out ate me. She's like, what the, what the hell's wrong with you? And I was like, well, I'm tired of eating, man. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? I went straight for the salad, because I haven't been able to have them and, as much, and, and things like that, so... Uh, Isn't that funny? It's. I remember there was an old cartoon we used to watch, and um, during the episode, the the kids keep uh, resetting time and going back and having cake and ice cream at, a, at this birthday party. And then one of the girls says, "Eventually, do you have any carrot sticks?" <laughs> like you with the, having some salad, you know. If yeah. At some point, you're like, "Okay, I'm done with that. Can we just eat something yeah. a little clean, or just eat less? Period, please." Well, it can taste amazing too after. I don't know. To me, I get really tired of eating just uh, what most people consider junk. A lot of it just all starts tasting the same, and it's nice to have a, some carrots and a salad, and you know, <laughs> it's a different type of food, just something different than you know. Well, people are such creatures of habit that I can't imagine. Like once or twice, I've caught myself having a burger just because I was starving, and like it didn't seem like a treat. I was just eating it. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, normally I have this. Um, like if I get some big specialty burger, like sometimes yeah. I go to Fortress and I go get a Wendy's triple or a Harvey's yeah. triple, you yeah. know, and normally I'm like, oh, damn, this is good, yeah. you know, and if you're just eating it and it doesn't seem fun, maybe you're, you've slipped into a little bit too loose of a dietary pattern there, you know what I mean? Because that stuff should be delicious, and if you're eating it yeah. and you're not even noticing it, I don't know. And I I agree. I was just saying that it's sometimes helpful to go get stuff that's easily digestible. And, I mean, let's face it, McDonald's food, you've heard all kinds of stuff about them designing foods. It's especially easy to swallow, you know, um, you're hungry again when you're done. I mean, you could eat 3,000 calories of that stuff and, and like, be hungry an hour later um, and stuff like that. But, anyway, pros and cons with some of that. And, yeah, when you consider the kind of junk you could be eating, and I consider usually stuff like shakes and fries, that's usually junk. I mean, unless you're depleted in some way, uh, that's not really part of a competition diet. So how can you start fretting over the kind of vegetables and meats and potatoes that you have at Thanksgiving? It seems seems absurd uh, to me. And and like you were saying, it's one day. You know, unless you're stepping on the stage in like two weeks, you know, then I can understand it. You know, if you have a competition date and you're, you know, you're peeking out for it. But other than that, even if you're mid diet, I mean, if you're, if you're 10 weeks into a 20 week diet, do it anyway. You're still far enough out. You're probably going to do nothing but raise your thyroid function uh, again. You know, exactly. And you know, before you have the junk, have some Turkey and have some salad and have some, you know, good stuff first. But and that, that sort of brings me to my second uh, point here as we start to wind down. But uh, it's also a time to learn to be lazy. One of the reasons that I always think about the fall as bulking season is that days are short. And it's easy to sort of go into hibernation mode a little bit. But that helps with energy balance, right? It helps create a positive energy balance. The people who, like me, like when I was a kid, uh, meaning, you know, late teens, early 20s, track, taekwondo, you know, um, all this other stuff, going out and partying until the wee hours, all this stuff is a calorie drain. And yeah. if you're trying to eat clean while you're doing that, even if you think that you're breaking even, you're not, you know. Yeah. And so it's the same thing. This time of year is, is uh, the flip side of that where you can settle down, you can have a big meal, uh, maybe only schedule yourself, your, yourself three or four workouts a week, Uh and that will help put you in a positive calorie balance, too, because the, the guys who calculate this out and say, I'm eating an extra 150 calories a day, that means in this many weeks I'll gain. No, you won't. You know, because you're obsessing over minutia, you've got to crash through some of these barriers. Uh, metabolism is not static. And that's one of the things that I think even a lot of dietitians could uh, learn to appreciate more, which is if you calculate someone's metabolic rate with the Harris Benedict equation or the Mifflin St. Jor, whatever you you know, pick your poison. Mm-hmm. That looks at age, 
height, weight, and sex. Uh, it doesn't really focus on the fact that metabolism will speed up and slow down based on thyroid status and other things. The amount of muscle mass involved, because it uses gross body weight in those equations, not lean body mass. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that change your metabolic rate up and down. And if you want to crash through barriers and actually make some gains, you cannot be calculating obsessively. You know, you no. should be looking at 500 to 800 calories maybe a day, and that's a huge mm -hmm. span, but I don't care. That's the point. It's got to be a little bit cruder, a little bit more aggressive, and, you know, eating 155 extra calories and trying to multiply that up. Oh, look, I made it to 2,800 surplus. I should have a new pound of muscle. Uh, no. And that's exactly why I mean, I've been saying it for years on here, and I've been doing it for years with my clients. I gave up on the whole, all that crap, adding this much to your diet or add, our goal is a pound a week. You know, it just never worked. You know, anybody I worked with and myself, it never worked. And I just started, you know, I started setting just the amount of pounds goal. Okay, we've got two months. We need to put on this. You know, yeah, it's funny, but it's, it's whatever it takes and get yes. there. I ask them to get there. You know, if I tell somebody to put on 15 pounds, I want it on as quick as possible. And then we're just going to hold that. Yep. Yep. You know? It's funny and because it, we talk about works. Log logging is so important and it can be. Uh, yeah, but I would say mostly if, if people aren't gaining weight and they can't figure out why, but you're right. If you remove some of the meticulous quantitation from it all yep. and you're like, you know, blast the calories. Why are yeah, you not just, eating? You know, what are you yeah. doing? You know, set your uh, alarm watch for every two hours and start snacking. And don't say, oh, well, wait, you know, I can't have more amino acids. I'm in some refractory period from the last protein meal. I should wait. Okay, you are reading into this too far. Yeah. You know, keep flooding the body with uh, building blocks and fuel. Mm -hmm. That's what you need to do. And not count every gram. It's just going to be a disservice, I think. You know? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, guaranteed. I mean, and I see nothing but success with it. With all my, I mean, I've got one guy doing it right now. I had him gain 15 pounds, and he's hitting PRs and everything. You know, and he doesn't look. He, he doesn't look fatter, you know. And I know but we're an uncharted. All his lifts have gone up. I mean, we hit his 10 pounds over his old max squat, which was a grinder, for an easy triple. You know, and it's we put on 15 freaking pounds. Yeah. You know, he's in an energy surplus now. He's getting stronger. Right. And I know we, we're in uncharted territory a bit when we tell people to make, you know, aggressive gains and then hold the new body weight and you will slowly recompose. Yes. I'm not going to make any specific claims about that because people have different genetics and that yes. sort of thing. But it is a practical approach, and it works a lot better than, again, there's a lot of local guys I've discussed around here. We started lifting about the same time. We're all 40-ish, and they, uh, they've been lean their whole life. They've, le they've eaten that bodybuilder in-season kind of diet year-round, and they still weigh like 160 pounds. Yes. And I'm sitting here at 210. Not that I'm yeah. Mr. Massive or anything, but... I watched myself blow by these guys over the years, you know, and it's yeah. not like I just have a belly. I mean, you can see that I'm thicker through the shoulders. I mean, yes. lean tissue comes with with this process. Yeah. You know, so. Exactly. And it, it really does. And I mean, what I try to get most people to do is give me give me 90 days for anything. If it's diet, if it's new training, 90 days. And if you can put that on and hold that for 90 days, you're going to be a different person. You just will, yeah. You know, even if your metabolism's slow, you know, you're there's going to be changes that are for the better. Yep. And you know, for God's sake, it's it's three months of your life. You know, if you don't like it after three months, diet down a little bit. And that's <laughs> there kind of to bring this back around. And therein lies the beauty of this time of year, right? I mean, you can you could put turkeys in the oven and eat on it all week. You could put a big yeah. ham in the oven. That's usually pre cooked stuff anyway. You know, and have it all week. Uh, it's really easy to have a lot of protein and some, you know, nice starches for energy or healthy fats for energy and that kind of thing. And like you said, if you don't like it, you do it through uh, October, November, December, or maybe November, December, January, or even into February. But, you know, so if, you, if you're not happy in February, start cleaning Change. up your, yeah, clean up the <laughs> diet, you know. Exactly. Uh, and that's, I mean, it's pretty natural, too. I mean, it's funny we're talking about this because we were watching a show while we were cooking yesterday, it was some surviving Alaska or something like that. I don't know. And it's, it's three families that live there and oh, they live a yeah. sustainable lifestyle and their life. And it's like me, I lean out in the summer naturally, but I'm outside more. I'm doing more around my farm. I'm training more people. I'm blah, 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 you know, and it's hot. And 
you know, in the winter, it's kind of like off season. You slow down, you don't do as much. I'm inside more. I'm still training people, but you know, it's two different lifestyles. And you know, their whole thing was summertime. It's it's blast. You know, they've got five months to get ready for winter, and they're going crazy. And then winter comes, and it slows down. And they're they're more sluggish. They sit in the house more. You know, of course, they're forced to. It's negative eighty, and there's twelve feet of snow, but so they can't go outside. But I mean, our, our bodies are kind of conditioned to work that way. If you're yes. from a seasonal place, you know, not if you're from the equator. But no, that's you know. true, and it almost makes you think if you're from a long line of people who have lived in, let's say, northern Europe. You know, a lot of yep. a lot of exactly. Americans are European. Uh, yeah, I mean, we were talking a couple of weeks ago. I was mentioning that discussion with uh, Cotter and Nelson about natural daily diurnal rhythms are mm-hmm. huge, and when you flatten those out, people. That's a hallmark of disease. And yeah. like we're saying, this could be over the course of months, too. I mean, this whole chronobiology thing, yeah, especially yeah. if you've got the genes for it, I would think. Right. You know, go, well, and I go think with it's the, Even when you come well, down to the training, it's good to have an off-season where you're not just going crazy. You can only go crazy. I mean, you can do it more when you're young, I suppose, but I can't tell you that that's good. Um, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if I I think if I'd have backed off some months during the year and when I was younger, I'd probably be further with less injuries. But you know, I think it's good to have times when you're going really hard, and then times when you're just kind of punching the clock. You right. Know, especially as far as the training as well. Especially, I think once you're in your 30s and 40s and you've got mileage under your belt, not just years, yeah. but your mileage, junk, the kind of junk reps and the extra work. If it's not making you bigger or stronger, discard yeah. it. You know. Well, my training is so stupid simple now. People would probably puke at my workouts. You know, I mean, I'll go in and I'll squat. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But you know, and it's it can be pretty simple. And you know, I might hit a couple good mornings or something, but it's pretty basic right now. Well, and I like what you say. You you uh, during the stupid years, you laid the foundation with all kinds of yeah. different joint angles, finishing yeah. movements, accessory stuff. And not that you can't do that now, but yeah, it's not as as requisite as it once was. No, and if I add that on, it's for a reason. You know, yeah. now it's like, ah, oh, I got a weakness here, I need to fix that. Right. You know, like right now, I mean, I went back and I started doing a bunch of rows again. And uh, I saw that, you know, I dropped off a lot because I hadn't done them. Like, I, and not even the strength, but the amount of reps I can do, like plummeted. And, you know, I was hitting like eight reps with what I used to be able to do 25 with. And mm-hmm. so, okay, I'm going to start doing these. And now I'm already up to hitting sets 25 again, which is the same. Well, that's interesting so, to hear you say that. A, I think what you're talking about is it's back to that efficiency thing, you know, of getting in a positive calorie balance. You, you're not going to spend three hours doing accessory work and leg extensions and yeah. or for your back, like uh, just not, I mean, pull downs maybe are, are good, but you know what I mean. There's lots of things. And rows are one of the things that I've always separated bodybuilders from powerlifters a little bit. It's like I will row way more than, I'll, than I will dead, you know, yeah. deadlift. Uh, and I'm not saying that this is the territory of one group versus the other, but, yeah, I'm a huge fan of rows. It's funny to hear you say that. And But those are the kinds of meat and potatoes movements that you're not going to waste a lot of time and burn a lot of calories for no yeah. point, you know. Well, and I mean, Dave Tate's talked about, you know, that he's like a blast and dust type of person, you know, and if you're that type, and if you're a person that has to get ready for, like me, I have to get ready for a powerlifting event, you know, I've got to have some dust time if I'm going to be in blast mode too, you know, I yes. just, and right now, I mean, my training is like, why well, I'm, I even think it's like, wow, I'm, I'm pretty lazy right now. I'm not doing much, but that's okay. That's going to give me the mental energy when I've got to go in there and put these marathon sessions together. I'm rested and recovered for that. I couldn't do that all year long. It allows me to put the pedal to the floor when I have to. Right. Because right. I'm not I'm not coming in just wore out and beat up for months and months and months of running fairly high. Right, exactly. It was a good show. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Check out the uh if you're not a we've we've got thousands of listeners. If you're if you're on Facebook, join the Facebook group. It's a good group. Um and check out those mugs I put up. Love some support there. I'd love to get those ordered. I want one myself, so we need 14 more or 10 more. So, uh, and we'll go from there. Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving, and I I hope you're not out doing the Black Friday thing. Yeah, fill up. Eat. Go eat. (laughs) See you later.
Hey, sports nutrition fans, join us in beautiful Clearwater Beach, Florida, June 20 and 21 for the 11th annual ISSN Conference and Expo. You'll learn the latest, greatest sports nutrition from the best minds in the business. Some of our speakers include Juan Carlos Santana, Dr. Mark Tarnopolsky, Gina Lombardi, and many, many more. You'll learn about intermittent fasting, how to exercise to offset poor eating, and also nutritional strategies for maintaining or gaining muscle mass. But the best part is you'll get to rub elbows with the best scientists in the business. The ISSN, why would you go anywhere else? Go to www.theissn.org for more information. That's www.theissn.org for more info. See you there. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.